All right, guys, welcome to week two of Checkerboard Chats. Today, we're going to be covering uh, the Mizzou game that just happened over the weekend, and we're going to be previewing the Georgia game coming up. So looking forward to getting started with that. I'll hand this over to you, Tucker. Uh, how do you feel about the Mizzou game? I felt like it was very refreshing to watch the UT game, uh, you know, where it's, it's not really intense there for a second because it feels like whatever UT game that I've gone to, it, it, there's always some kind of drama that has to go on and somehow UT will find a way to win. But this time around though, not so much. This is one of the few that I can really say that UT actually had a good grip on the whole way through. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There was no panic in the game, which was kind of surprising. You know, even though Mizzou, we predicted it to be kind of a big game for Tennessee, but uh, we all know Tennessee and figured they would have managed to blow it somehow. But here we are, big win. What was final? 32, 12, 34, 35 to 12. My bad on that one. But uh, good game by the defense. Offense really put on a show. It was finally good to see JG out there throwing some good balls and having a good game. Yeah, he looked pretty strong. I especially like the run attack in that game as well. Eric Gray, Ty Chandler both pulled off some pretty big runs. JG even had a rush touchdown or two. So it was it was a pretty productive game in the run game. Yeah, for sure. Mallory, how do you feel about the defensive play? Um, I thought our defense was pretty strong against Missouri. Clearly, we um, pulled through and stopped a lot of their points in offensive attack. So... I'd agree with that. It was definitely a good defensive presence. Our uh, our defensive line manhandled their offensive line. It was about time we got uh, a big dominating performance out of them. Uh, you got anything to add? I, I definitely agree. I think that after this game, like the energy was really up in Newland. You could feel it if you were there. And I think it's going to make for like great. It's it's positive en- energy for Georgia next week going into next week. So. One thing that I wanted to add that was just particularly interesting to me was that uh, Tennessee was four for four on fourth downs in that game. Uh, every conversion they had was a Jared Garantano quarterback sneak, which, you know, he's got the size. If you can do that, let's go for it. It uh, proves that we can get that going forward. And if there's that fourth and one, you need a big play. Just let him run the ball right down the middle. He'll get it. Even quarterback sneak just lean forward if he can convert that that's huge momentum going forward it showed that in the Missouri game and I sh- I'm sure it'll show that going forward uh, it was also his um, second straight turnover free game which could lead in a good direction for the rest of the season yeah I think it could just the way that he's been progressing this year he's he's looked he's looked great uh, just making right decisions with the ball he's doing it more so than he has in years past for sure if if we can go is an offense without turning the ball over much or if we can just turn it over as little as possible which is what everyone says would be good but uh this offense will be scary scary for other opponents if we can limit the turnovers and on the defensive side they are getting turnovers so i know interceptions fumbles like they're making a presence on the defensive side so i think it's a really good plus minus there for us turnover wise uh, another thing I'd like to add um, is we had a few like blunders on special teams. I know we missed um, a field goal, and then we also had a kick out of bounds, which gave the Missouri Missouri the ball pretty um, far down the field. So I don't know if you guys have any input about that. Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing as last week with the South Carolina game. Uh, I'm sure looking back, everyone remembers on both sides of that South Carolina game, there were some special teams mishaps, and it kind of carried over for Tennessee into this game, which is, I think that's one of the main things we need to clean up as a team is definitely special teams. 
Um, I think we need to uh, get our kicker working on some some field goals because he's not very consistent. Yeah, it's a little odd because last year he he led the league I think in field goal percentage of makes. So he and he'd been actually he's he's the all time leader now at least for made field goal percentages at UT. But this year we haven't seen that, so that's definitely something that we need to fix up a little bit. I think what that could be blamed on too is definitely like COVID issues, not having practices, not being able to get those reps in that he had all of last season. Like obviously when you take that long of a break, you're going to lose something. So you might still have the strength for it, but maybe it's like his mentality or something's off there, but it's definitely something that can be fixed going forward. I feel like, um, I feel like that COVID issue with not having practices really carrying over for the whole team. Like, yes, this might've been, uh, a good overall game but there's definitely still small points that you can see throughout the game where Tennessee needs to definitely improve and I think that just comes down to a lack of practice and a lack of being able to get together as an entire team and play. You don't have anything to add on that? No I agree. Yeah, should we do score predictions yeah. for the next game? Yeah all right let's take this um, for the Georgia game in Athens you know Everyone knows Georgia, always a good team, great recruiting class again. They're always top five in college football, probably top two in the SEC because I don't like to give Florida any credit. Um, I don't know, Tennessee's looking good this year and I feel like there's a way we can compete. I just don't know if we're there yet. I'm gonna say final score prediction, 27-24 Georgia. I think Tennessee will be able to keep it close, but. Georgia's just going to be able to edge him out at the end. I'm going to say somewhere around more of 28-14, 31-14 Georgia because right now Georgia is easily the best defensive team in the SEC from what we've seen. And I, I just think they're going to be able to stop us up front. Hopefully our defense can resist a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a tough day on offense. Yeah, I would agree with Tucker. I'd say our defensive line has been less than impressive like the past few weeks. Um, so I feel like um, Tennessee uh, won't be able to stop many of their um, offensive attacks, but I hope that we put up at least 21 points against them. Yeah, I'm going to say somewhere around that too, like 30, 35-ish, 28, something like that. Well, I like, I always want to be positive and I'm like, I love the balls and stuff, but realistically, Georgia's always been really good and uh, unless we have a miracle like 2016. That was a miracle. Very much. Miss Juan Jennings. <laughs> I do too. All right, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah. All right, guys, welcome to week three of Checkerboard Chats. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the Georgia game that we just had, and we're going to be previewing the Kentucky game coming up. That'll be the homecoming game. It'll be, uh, it'll be a home game, fun, fun game, I'm expecting. So we'll jump into that later. But for right now, I'm going to pass off to Mallory. She's going to get us started with a little bit on the first half of the Georgia game. Yeah, I think it's important to break this um, game down into two parts because clearly uh, Tennessee was ahead by the end of the first uh, the first half and we just really lost it in the second half. So I'm going to try to focus on the more positive parts of the game. Um, we had a great uh, first few minutes of the game when um, the Georgia snap went over the quarterback's head and went 25 yards back, um, almost to the goal line. 
Um, we got it for a touchdown right off the bat, and it was the perfect like start to have an upset for the game, and we really clearly lost it. Yeah, it was definitely a disappointing ending, but we'll definitely stay with the first half for right now and get into the second half a little bit later. But uh, let's talk about JG in the first half in the defense. I think Jared Garantano, no turnovers in the first half, so that was definitely good to see. Offense was moving pretty well. There was a couple flukes where we just kind of missed an open pass or couldn't get a couple extra yards running. So that definitely held us back a little bit. I think there's like three or four select plays. If you complete the pass or pick up two more yards, that changes the game completely because it'd give us a couple, at least three to 10 points on the board more going into halftime. So there's definitely just little flukes there that could have been improved. But overall, it was a solid performance from, from the Tennessee offense and defense in the first half. If you can put up, what was it, 21 points at halftime against that Georgia defense, you're doing something right. Yeah, seven points came from the defense, but still you take what you get. So I think I was really impressed with our offense moving against the Georgia defense in the first half. I honestly disagree. Uh, Georgia held us to 143 yards in the first half, and it just shows how awesome Georgia's defense is. Um, and if it wasn't for that early like mistake by the Georgia offense, we wouldn't have been in the game at all. Yeah, it's definitely wrong there. My bad. <laughs> it, it, it seemed better than it was. You might not have had all the all the yards, but there was a couple of plays that definitely looked like it had a bright bright future for Tennessee. But obviously, we know it did not, and it ended up being a really bad future because we lost. Yeah, um, I, I do like. What I saw out of Garantano in the first half, those two deep balls down the sideline to Josh Palmer, they, they looked really good. Um, he's been doing that well all season. He needs to keep at it. Um, and I, I think he's got a real chance to make establish himself as one of the better QBs in this league. Yeah, that was uh, based upon the first half. Yes. Uh, in the second yes. half, yes. it's a different story. But in the first half, yeah, those deep balls were looking good. That's what I was talking about when I said their offense looked like it was – doing yes. kind of well because yeah. there were big spark plays no in there. It wasn't the ground and pound like we've been used to at Mizzou and everything, that kind of rushing attack. Mm -hmm. What looked good was the long ball, the big play for Tennessee was there, but we were lacking just the consistency, mm -hmm. which I think that's a good way to summarize Tennessee as a football program for the last three years is there's no consistency. Mm -hmm. I think that that's Jarek Rorantano's biggest problem is consistency. Absolutely. He always shows up, I feel like, in the first half, and it kind of always slips away from us. Almost. Yeah. I always, feels like, I always feel like he's, like, beginning to, like, prove himself, and I'm like, okay, he's going to be – he's this is going to be a good game for him, but um, – and then it he wasn't. Does, he <laughs> yeah, and that was also the end of our uh, winning streak. We had yeah, the longest yeah. winning streak we did. in, the, we did. So in college football, and sadly, has been taken. But that was expected. Yeah, I'm not surprised Georgia won the game. I just I'm a little surprised that it got out of hand so mm -hmm. quickly. Because if we do jump into the second half, first two possessions were two JG turnovers. Like that that can't happen coming out of mm -hmm. halftime. Um, I get that things happen in a game, but he just. The two tur turnovers were not good earned turnovers that the defense caused necessarily. They were just bad, bad plays on mm -hmm. JG's side. Yeah, and a lot of that also just has to do with the fact that Georgia is an elite level defense just in the country, not just in the SEC. And they they can bull rush the quarterback. They got all kinds of guys on the edge that can make plays. And it's it's just a hard time whenever you're playing against Georgia to 
uh, you know, even get to 20 points because I, I think last year only twice somebody scored 20 or more points. One was against South Carolina, and Jake Fromm had a bad game through some pick sixes. The other was against LSU, who basically had the best offensive season in college football history. So it's it's pretty much impossible to do unless you fluke out somehow. Yeah, the Georgia defense is definitely one to be messed with, and yeah, I think at I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about like what could have been. So like, mm-hmm. what if he doesn't throw those two and or those two turnovers, and what if those aren't there? Race could we have competed more? Like, because both those turnovers didn't they lead to scores of they some did. sort? They yeah. Did. So you take those off the board and maybe add a couple points for us. Like, how could that have changed the outcome of the game? Because by the end, everyone knew it was just a blowout win, and it kind of like sucked the hope out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Say you're even three or seven points down going into like the fourth quarter. That's a whole different ball game. There's a lot more you can compete with. So it's definitely something to think about. Like we're right, we're right there. We're not, we're not closing the gap between Georgia or the gap hasn't closed, but it's definitely getting thinner between Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, I think the defense, Tennessee's defense for being put in those situations did what they had to do up until the breaking point. Absolutely. Unfortunately, because you know when when you make when you go three and out or turn it over, say two or three downs in, then it it, it just gets hard. Absolutely, if you keep doing it repetitively on the defense. I think the defense played really well, honestly, yeah. against Georgia. They held Georgia to what a few field goals in the second half. Yeah, like, they, they got a couple touchdowns late, but nothing major. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree, and I think those late touchdowns were can simply be blamed on the offense too, like. Like you said, you're going to get worn out if you're constantly on defense the whole game. Because what Georgia was doing towards the end is they weren't going big plays or anything. They were just constantly wearing down the defense. And it was working because our offense couldn't give them a break. Our offense couldn't stay on the field and give us anything to work with. So at the end of the day, like defense played a great game. Offense definitely could use some improvement. Anything else to add? All right, I say, are you guys ready to look ahead at the Kentucky homecoming game? I I think so. All right, so the Kentucky homecoming game, I think, you know, we haven't lost to Kentucky at home since 1984. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting the same thing. So, Tennessee, I think we've got this one. Terry Wilson, great quarterback. Um, He's a great runner, not a great quarterback. But I think he, he poses a threat. He's not great, but he poses a threat. So I think if we can limit that, A.J. Rose, he's quick, speedy. There's a couple of guys. They have a couple of players that can really do some damage, but overall they're not a great team. So I'm expecting Tennessee to uh, to kind of make a point, prove a point again this year like they did with Mizzou. I'm not going to say a big win, but I am going to predict a, con- or a Tennessee win. I'm going to go with 34-21 Tennessee. All right. Um, I'll go with 31 to 17 Tennessee. I think they'll do some good things on offense. Everybody's been talking about what Kentucky's defense did last week against mm-hmm. Mississippi State, getting all those interceptions. But I, I just don't see that this week. And I think Tennessee, they they played Georgia's run offense pretty well, and and Georgia traditionally has good running backs back in there. They've got two or three guys right now that are good. Kentucky's got some guys that can cause trouble. Like you said, Terry Wilson, A.J. Rose, another guy, Christopher Rodriguez, has been causing trouble as well. But I think Tennessee's pretty conditioned to that run 
defense. And also, Kentucky doesn't throw the ball a lot, so they're, they're not very versatile. So I think 31-17 is pretty reasonable. Yeah, I'd say the same thing again. If we can limit our turnovers, then we definitely have a shot to uh, make a statement win here and get something going. What are you guys predicting? Uh, I'm going to say 17-7 to um, just because I think our defense has been doing really well. Um, hopefully our offense can pull through this game. Um, I'm really positive for this game, but I think that's just because I'm really hoping for a homecoming win after last game. But I'm going to say 38 uh, I'm going to say like 38 to 21, maybe. All right. Yeah, it's Tennessee. definitely definitely going to be a fun home game, homecoming week. You know, obviously because of COVID, can't have too many in the stadium. But from what I saw against Mizzou, like when you get that stadium full, even if there's not a ton of people there, it's it's still it's still kneeling. Like you're going to have that energy. So especially being homecoming week and everything with as many people there as they're trying to sell out to. It could have some high energy and it could be a really fun game for the Tennessee fans. I would like to ask y'all something. Like, do you think that not having the stadium at full capacity is having an effect on our team? Like, do you think that the energy is just not as high for them? I think it's not only affecting our team, but every team. Because these players have grown up and gotten used to, like, playing with that crowd, playing with that high energy level. And especially Tennessee and Neyland. Like, you've got these kids that have been there. Like, JG, he's been playing for four years in Neyland. He's used to that energy, and you take that out of it this year, it's something completely different, and it's definitely a different feel for everyone. So, But there's also the same argument for our other teams that are be like, yeah, we can focus more on ourselves, like we don't have the distraction of the crowd. So it can go both ways as a, as a negative and a positive. But I think for Tennessee, it would definitely be a negative because – you're in Neyland, like you want that experience. That's what you're used to, so. I know, we have one of the biggest stadiums too and we always feel it. I just think that as a football player, I might be a little discouraged or like just not feel the energy that I usually do and it might just be a little bit more difficult this year. Yeah, I definitely agree because Neyland is known for being so loud and when you get it filled up, like a bunch of teams talk about how they can't hear, they can't hear yeah. each other talking. So I really think that like, even with the the extra crowd noise they're playing, it's not the same yeah, not as a normal season. No. All right. Does anyone have anything else to add, or are we ready to wrap this one up? I don't have anything else to say. Go All right. Go Vols. All right, welcome to the, is this the fourth episode? Fourth episode of Checkerboard Chats. Uh, Today we're going to be covering that horrid, horrid Kentucky loss that we just had. And we're going to be looking at the Alabama game. Who knows how that one's going to go. We'll dissect that later. But right now we've got a guest speaker on the phone. His name's Lucas. He's definitely a a pretty livid Tennessee fan. So I'm going to pass that over to him and let him rant a little little bit about what he saw. Lucas, whenever you're ready. Yeah, the loss to Kentucky was nothing short of an of an embarrassment for our Tennessee team. It was just the the quarterback situation was absolutely awful. We controlled the pace of the game through the first quarter till about three minutes into the first or to the end of the first quarter, when God awful JG threw that pick six, and then you know usually you'd rally after that, you know, get your head back in the game. But he just didn't. He just couldn't stop underthrowing receivers, and he was just looking like a garbage fire behind our offensive line that is stacked with multiple five stars and a sixth year, and a sixth year senior. And um, after that, we just couldn't get it. Couldn't get anything together, and it was just 
and it was atrocious play calling by both our offensive and defensive coordinators. And uh, this Kentucky team, which is which was one and two the time we faced them, was was not formidable for us at all with how we had been playing the first three games of the season, putting up a fight against Georgia, top five team in the country. But after after the two pick sixes, it's hard it's hard for a football team to rally after that because your quarterback is the centerpiece of your team, and if he's giving out on you, then what should your team end up standing for? But it's a complete, utter embarrassment for our football team. And if we really wanted to ever contend in the SEC, then we can't. We have to get our head out of the out of the dirt, and our quarterback has to do something. And then not, it, all the blame is not on the quarterback, but that's where it definitely begins. And our our defense is just atrocious now. I mean, any any team, no matter who they are, can just hit hit over the middle a receiver on the slant route and just kill us because our secondary is awful and our defensive line is opening holes for running backs bigger than anything. And then the uh, there were there were bright spots to that Kentucky, to the Kentucky game though. Our run game with Eric Gray and Ty Chandler in the backfield is arguably our biggest offensive weapon. Our young receiving core is looking very hopeful in the upcoming season. And then of course you can't not talk about Harrison Bailey. Even though he only played one drive late in the fourth, he smart, he marched us up the field better than better than the two quarterbacks we had put in that game did. I mean, three three turnovers, two for two for touchdowns is just an embarrassment and should not happen in any game ever. Okay, Lucas, I have a question for you. Yes. What do you think we should do? What do you think is the solution to the quarterback problem that we're having right now? To the quarterback problem we have now, well, you can't start Harrison Bailey, obviously, because you don't ever want to start a freshman quarterback against an, against the SEC gauntlet we're running right now. If JG can keep his head in the game and focus and stop underthrowing receivers, then he'd be fine. But I definitely say start if we're ever up by a good margin, let Harrison Bailey get some snaps and. Let's see how let's see how the young five star works in our offensive layout because I believe that my personal opinion that he's going to be very efficient and he, he's the future of Tennessee football under the helm of quarterback. All right, I completely agree with that. I've got one more question for you. Um, what do you think this upcoming season is going to look like for Tennessee? Like how how do you think it's going to play out after that Kentucky game? Um, like, what are you expecting from either the quarterback position or just the team as a whole? Like, are you expecting us to just tank it the rest of the season or get back on their feet? Oh, well, I never expect Tennessee football to just lay down and take it. We're one of the most rough and tough teams in the SEC, and we'll fight for any win that we get or any, even any loss that we take. We fight for we fight every down, and I know that's one of the mottos of Coach Prude is that you fight every second of the game, all the whole entire, all four quarters, but... With our game coming up next week against Arkansas, you know Arkansas is not one is definitely not one of the better teams in the SEC. So maybe we can maybe we can get our head back on straight during that game and maybe get our momentum going back like we did at the end of last year. Perfect. Thank you so much for the call in. Um, we'll give you a call probably in the future weeks again so we can get you back on here. Okay. No problem. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Of course. All right. So there we had that. Um, 
He's definitely an angry Tennessee fan. I'm an angry Tennessee fan. I'm sure we all are. But you know what? We got to keep our heads up going forward. It was a really rough game against Kentucky. But you know what? We've got a chance to bounce back against Bama. That could be the biggest game in Tennessee football history if we could manage to pull that out. Or it could be another Tennessee loss, just like normal, that we've gotten used to. But I'm just mad. Like, I don't understand how we, like, held our own a little bit against Georgia, and then we kind of just flopped on our faces. Like, four, like, four turnovers. turnovers. Yeah. And I, was that yeah. just the first half? Like, yeah. I don't know. And think about what happens if we don't commit those turnovers. What if that, that takes away 17 points from them? We, marched we can potentially the score 28 points off of all of that. Yeah. So. It, was, it was bad. You've got that first fumble. Look, I understand that. One fumble happens, like a tight. It happened and he was running up the middle. JG lost the ball, got popped out, whatever. And then you've got in a, two atrocious pick sixes, back-to-back drives. Like, that, that can't happen. And one of the pick sixes, we were marching down the field, too. We covered 70 yards. They get inside. I don't know if it was inside the red zone or not, but close to it. And he just threw a pick, like a 65, 70-yard pick six. Like, that. that's terrible. Yeah. And the worst thing about that play is that Eric Gray was sitting probably eight yards in front of them in a check down. Just nobody within 10 yards of them. And JG pulls the deep ball and throws the pick six. Uh, yeah. And at that point, he got pulled. Rightfully so. You got you to gotta try something else out there. We got Shrout coming in. He gets off a of play, passes it, you know, complete, whatever. Next play throws an, a, a duck, an absolute sitting duck, right under thrown to the, to the cornerback of Kentucky. It, it was terrible, and that just kind of, he, he got sad after that, rightfully so. You come in to replace someone and you do something as bad, if not just worse than any of JG's throws, like you can't expect to, anything else to happen. And You know, Tennessee defense held firm on that one. They were like, what, inside their own 15 and only let up a field goal after the Shroud interception? Yeah, I mean, they gave up ba- basically half of the points were pick sixes. Yep. Yeah, I um, know the f- first 14 were JJ's yeah. pick sixes and then the, the, the last one was that pick, and then they held them to a field goal. That was fine. And then, of course, you know, when you, when you have that many turnovers in a game, you just can't think you can do it anymore. And yep. that's, that's, I think, part of the reason why Tennessee's defense gave out a little bit. Yeah, I'd completely agree. Like Lucas said, like, once that quarterback kind of dives out and you go through three quarterbacks in a game, like, that's just going to be depleting on your whole team's mentality. And it definitely showed in that game. Like, I'm not going to say there was no fight because, obviously – we put up a touchdown in the second half and or no that was the first that was half first, yeah. yeah that was a good drive like lucas said though um looking good on the running side but anyways once your quarterback goes down like that and isn't producing and gets benched like that's gonna that's gonna hurt your team overall not just your offense but your defense too because they're just like bummed out like what, what's happening like why can't we put up points like we're down 17 points and we haven't allowed any of them like mm-hmm. just just not a good overall game for for Kentucky or for Tennessee good game for Kentucky yeah and Kentucky was 0-2 coming into this mm-hmm. game which is even more just embarrassing for us yeah. I had so much faith but I was yeah sad. they uh they yeah they they couldn't defend Ole Miss at all Auburn they they let them throw all over them and then they finally got the edge on Mississippi State. They actually did get a win in that one. Yeah, they're, they're one and two, yeah, I think, right? But yeah. Mississippi State is a train wreck right now. They're they're losing <laughs> all kinds. They're losing all kinds of players. They 
They've thrown, what is it, nine or ten interceptions in the last two games. Hey, it's, but it's he, he passed, Costello passed for 600 in the first game against LSU. That's, well, that's impressive. That's what the air raid will do to you. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just an overall bad game for Tennessee. Unfortunately, good game for Kentucky. Not even a good game for Kentucky. Just I honestly thought they played very average. Yeah, they didn't. It wasn't they, like they did anything special on offense. It's just that we gifted them seventeen mm-hmm. free points. Yep, it was. It was just an average Kentucky team that I I expected. Like that's the exact yeah. team that we expected to play, but you know Tennessee pooped the bed on that one. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think what we can do now is look ahead to Bama. Is there any hope here? Well, there is a stat out there. The last time we lost to Kentucky, we also beat Alabama. There is some hope. Yeah? How long ago was that? 1984. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So let's hope we can uh, run it back, not like 98, but like 84. Um, Hopefully... Tennessee can pull off, but I just don't see it happening. Alabama's an absolute powerhouse this year with Waddle. Mac Jones is playing out of his mind right now. Like, I don't like to see Alabama succeed, but credit where credit is due. They're a phenomenal team, like always. So it's definitely going to be hard for Tennessee to come out there and and even compete, I think. So I'm predicting, oh, shoot, 42-17 Bama. I think our offense, you know, against their fourth quarter, third strings might be able to do something, but I just see I just see uh, Alabama's offense exploding like it always does and Tennessee's defense just not being able to keep up. Yeah, I agree with you that I think Alabama's defense will explode. You know, they got Najee Harris who's run all over people and then those receivers as well. But the one thing I am going to say, I'm going to say 45 to 24. I think Tennessee's offense will do a little bit more than what we expect because, you know, looking a couple weeks ago, Alabama, when they played Ole Miss, they let up all kinds of yardage against Ole Miss in the run game. And Tennessee's offensive line is much better than Ole Miss's just, just from a uh, development and talent standpoint. And we've got two good backs in that backfield as well. Uh, obviously, Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, and they can really cause some damage. So I think Tennessee will be able to run the ball a little bit on them maybe get in the end zone a couple of times. But in the end, I, I do think Alabama will just be too much to handle on offense. Yeah. Completely I'm agree. I'm going to agree with that. I am hopeful that we put up some points against Bama, but I don't really know how likely that is um, unless we can really uh, whip our defense and offense into shape in this next week, which um, we'll see what happens. Clearly, I hope for an Alabama win. That would be great. But um, I think I'm going to put my prediction at 38-7 to seven, just – Hopefully we'll get some points in there. Yeah, I'll be happy as long as we're, like, trying. Like, that's what I'll be happy for. But, Both uh, teams have fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want participation trophies all over the field this game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was, like, last year's game against Bama was pretty cool. For the first half with, like, Jeremy Pruitt since he came from there. And we were ahead at one point. But I don't know. I I'm going to put it about 42, 21, something like that. All right. I like the predictions. Uh, I don't like the predictions, but I think they're fairly accurate. So we'll see what happens, and hopefully hopefully a miracle comes down to Knoxville and the Vols be tied. So that's all for this episode, and we'll be seeing you guys next week. Go Vols.
Go Vols. Go Vols. All right, welcome back to Checkerboard Chats. This is the fifth episode. Today we're going to be uh, reviewing the Alabama game. Definitely could have been worse, but, uh, you know, miracle could have happened and could have been better, but... There um, was no miracle. No miracle <laughs> ever possible. Yeah, we're heading into our 14th straight loss against Alabama. Not but... surprising there. But uh, you know what? Keep the heads high. There's always next year. There's always next week, our bye week. Yeah, we'll, we we'll can win, win our bye week. Tennessee fans win the bye week. That's what we've all decided. Every Everyone in Knoxville wins in the bye week, especially because it's on Halloween. I know, and it'll give us some time to prepare for Arkansas. Exactly. I think that'll be big uh, with the COVID things going on. Like, you, no team's had the right amount of preparation going in. So, hopefully an extra week will give us a little more time to prepare for Arkansas. So, that'll be good. And let's get back to reviewing the Alabama game. Everyone's going to blame JG for this loss. It wasn't JG's fault. Like, I get he's the quarterback and everything. He played a solid game. Alabama is just the obviously superior team. They always have been. And I think there might be a little bit of time going forward before we can kind of close that gap. But hopefully it's coming soon. What do you What do you guys think about the game? I agree. I don't think we should blame JG. He had a few, was it two really? Good solid touchdown passes yeah, to Hyatt. And um, I don't, I mean, it's easy to be angry at him after, after Kentucky, but I feel like I just... I just feel like it's it's Bama, you know. So and did he throw any turn or have any no. turnovers? No, he didn't no, have any turnovers. There were tur- yeah. somebody fumbled in the game. Yeah, it was Eric Gray. It was Eric, Eric Gray, Gray fumbled. But yeah, no no bad turnovers on JJ's part. Though. Yeah, he had some impressive sequences this past yeah, he did. week. Those two long balls for touchdowns to Hyatt on the same that left side that left corner. It was looking good. Hyatt is looking like a solid future receiver for the Bulls and. Just the overall receiving core for the balls are looking good going forward. Yeah. What do you guys think about that call where Bama, like, it appeared that they, like, dropped it on the one-yard line? They dropped it. It was a fumble. I think they did. It was a fumble. I think they did, too. Alabama pays refs. It's confirmed. Yeah, I, th- I think Gary Danielson might have had an eye on that one for him. Nick Saban, you know, he was paying him. I saw him after the game. He actually gave the ref, like, 300 bucks. He has coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. yeah did at one point. <laughs> yeah. Um, Back to JG, though. Um, he completed 13 of 24 passes, which is the best he's done against Alabama since he's started playing them. That's not very impressive, I but mean, against Bama it is. That's good for Bama, him. Against Bama, yeah. Because yeah. Bama's defense, like, everyone says Georgia's got the best defense in college football. Bama's defense is good, too. I like, mean, this is his fourth yeah. um game against Bama though yeah that's true. his best time so far well so. good for There's him I'm glad he's there. improving there yeah. I, I think the real problem that Tennessee had in that game was just on offense just the confidence and the predictability of the the play calling when I say confidence I mean in Garantano you know obviously after Kentucky do we really trust this guy on offense to make some good throws but then he hits those long balls to Palmer and Hyatt and you're wondering, why not do that more? Because, you know, it's, it's like when you have a, a good shooter in basketball, you know, you give him the ball. Give, yeah. give it to him, like Garantano just do his stuff. And when you run the ball so often on, like, you know, third and 15, then they're going to be expecting that. So, to that, what I read was actually Jeremy Pruitt said in a post game interview that he saw in film that Bama had given up some big runs previously on third down because they dropped their linebackers back. 
And so say it's a third and eight, you're running the ball. You're not typically going to run that ball, but from what Jeremy Pruitt saw, he thought that would work and that's where they could pick up those long third downs and catch them, catch uh, Alabama off guard. But fortunately it just didn't happen. So I get where he was trying to do there, switch it up. But like, like you said, if JG's actually connecting on those long balls, let him throw it. Like if that's the one thing that he's going to be able to do, like he does lead the SEC in long ball completion passage. Anything over 20 yards, he has the highest completion percentage in the SEC. So if that's a strong suit, why aren't we playing into that a little bit more? No, no answers for no. that one. <laughs> if it works, do it. I don't get why we didn't, why we didn't do that more. Yeah, it's it's definitely coaching thing there that I think they'll get it worked out, and especially with the bye week coming off, they've got some more time to prepare. So it'll be a good game. I just there's just not a lot to say about this game. Tennessee, they played like an average Tennessee we team like against Tennessee. Gamma, <laughs> against Bama, yeah. Bama played like Bama. We played like Tennessee. That's just the best way to put it. Bama is the better team, and they looked like it. Didn't we fire our defensive line coach? That was, that was during the, the halftime of Kentucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, But it just came out that week. Yeah. It just yeah. came out on, like, Thursday. I, I figured it was just, like, a, you know, a, a, an internal chemistry issue because mm-hmm. I, I didn't think the defensive line had played that bad going into it, so I was a little skeptical of why Same. why it would have happened. They so. said there were some issues with him during, like, recruiting and stuff yeah. and, like, just some relationship-wise things within the team that were that were an issue. So Jeremy Pruitt actually took over the defensive line and is going to be coaching the D-line from now on. Anyway. I'll try to get the inside scoop on the, Absolutely, in the recruiting yeah. office. Um, did you guys want to talk about the defensive touchdown we had? Or? Yes. Who's, you want to bring that up real quick for us? Well, I'm just um, – we got the ball to start the set at half, and – um, after two possessions, Eric Gray fumbled on the third play of the half, and then Malachi Moore um, forced the fumble and recovered it and um, brought it to a touchdown, which I just thought was super discouraging for the Vols. Especially, I mean, that's just what it looked like coming out of out of Georgia too. You got that turnover right after that, and like Tennessee wasn't completely out of the game at halftime. Like, yeah, it was a long shot, but there was still hope there. And as soon as like two plays in, you get that fumble for a touchdown. Like, that's just beating up a team. So I, I mean, I think the defensive touchdowns are the most like um, deflating. Deflating, yeah. 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 And that's our fourth one in what three games now? Yeah, so it's just yeah. it's not good. Rough stuff, but you know what? Got to live and move on. Bama was the better team. They played like it. So hopefully we can get things going against Arkansas, and hopefully this bye week helps us out a lot. I know. I saw actually something on an interview with Pruitt that they haven't even actually started focusing on Arkansas yet. Um, they have been just working on like the kinks in the team, which honestly I think will be beneficial in the long run. So I think that's what having two weeks will be really good too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Tennessee's got flaws. They can work that out this week and get focusing on Arkansas like a normal week next week. Like, hopefully we'll be able to fix our inner problems and figure out what's going on with Arkansas. So the bye week, I'm predicting that we come out and we we put a good whooping on Arkansas. I really hope so. I, th- I, hope, yeah. I think it's a confidence issue at this point too. Like winning um, or losing three games in a row is just kind of like hard after. on any team. And um, JG has 
improved a little, I guess, um, in the past week or so. So hopefully he can get his confidence back and put up some good numbers against Arkansas. For sure. I think our, our rush attack can get going too. Like you saw against Kentucky that that was one of the bright sides. And now if you can, if you can have a good rush game and you can have JG with a couple spark plays, I think that's, that's really good for Tennessee. And I think that's what we need going forward. You've got that long ball possibility with Jared Garantano. But you've also got this rush attack that can, if things go right, just be like a ground and pound for us that we are capable of doing. But then there's just those confidence issues and just slight mess ups that that are holding us back. Anyone else? I agree. I'm hoping we're really going to play to like JG's strengths next game. Hoping we're, hoping we're not going to have any like turnovers or things that we can't afford because God knows yeah. that's... And just doing some research on Arkansas here, the turnovers are something that they've been ex- experts at this year. Um, Capitalizing on oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ole Miss, Matt Corral threw two touchdowns, six interceptions. Three of those were to a walk-on corner who just earned a scholarship, Hudson Clark. So really cool story there. Yeah. Yeah, so, unless it happens against Tennessee. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. But um, So if we can keep the ball under control, I think yeah. – I don't think Arkansas's offense is explosive. They're they're really not. Um, Felipe Franks, as many of you remember from Florida, yeah. um, had good plays from time to time, but just really iffy. But he's he's done what he's needed to do this year to get it going. And they've got a couple of receivers that really all builds. You know, they've got one of the big and physical build. He's their lead receiver. Uh, then they got some of those guys that can just flash right down the field. So they have that aspect to them, and really. The thing with Arkansas is that they nobody thought that they would be where they are right now. I thought especially Arkansas after would be last year. Oh yeah. Um, and really they should be they should be what, three and two right now? Yeah. Or three and one because Auburn they they should not have lost that Auburn uh, game. That, that was, was terrible. That was a backwards pass and everybody knows it. Even the officials knew it because the SEC apologized to Arkansas after that game. And then they Poor Arkansas. Uh, yeah, and then they they beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State, so they're not looking bad, and they're really hanging in every game that they're playing in so far. They're just a tough team. Absolutely, and definitely credit Sam Pittman for doing a good job with them. It'll definitely be a good intro from the bye week for Tennessee. Hopefully. One more thing I want to add is just a little little shout out to Jalen Waddle. You know, even though he's an Alabama player, and I don't like Alabama, it it's awful to see someone's you know, season end like the yeah. way it did, especially on the first snap. That, like That's probably a career ender because I would think he'll go to the NFL after this. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with him. It's just, it's awful to see a player go down like that on, on any team, especially someone of his nature. Like, he's one of the most explosive playmakers mm-hmm. in college football. So losing someone like him, not only devastating for Alabama, but for all of college football. So prayers up to him. Hopefully it gets better and hopefully Tennessee gets better. We'll see. We'll see what happens after the bye week and against Arkansas. So that's all for this episode. Go Vols. Go Vols.